now back to the Pete McMurray Show. Here's Pete and Lisa. What a story from our next guest. She went from suburban soccer mom to opioid addict to jail inmate. Laura Love Harden is the author of The Many Lives of Mama Love, a memoir of lying, stealing, writing, and healing. And Laura joins us now. Laura, I don't know where to start. What a story you have. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Crazy story. When I first heard about your life, I want to start when the police knock on your multi-million dollar suburban home and you answer the door. Well, I was, I didn't answer the door. I was upstairs. I heard the pounding and my husband at the time went downstairs. He said, hide the drugs to me. That was his first thing. And he went downstairs. I knew in that moment that it was over, that this sort of crazy uh, roller coaster life I've been living for the last 11 months. And I was relieved in a way and terrified and, you know, walked down those stairs and they were th- there at the bottom of the stairs. There's always that yeah. sense of relief. We've heard yeah, that story many times. Yeah. I mean, it was, I always thought I'd fix everything tomorrow. You know, like today I have to do the drugs, but then I'll get my life together. I'll stop. I'll fix everything. And I knew I'd run out of tomorrow's in that moment. I'm like speechless because I have so many things I want to talk to you about that I don't even know where to start. Number one, I want to point out the fact that people think, oh, if you have an expensive home and you live in a nice neighborhood, you can't possibly have any drug problems. That's for poor people. But no, it's not. And I'm sure you've run into other people of the same tax bracket who struggled like you did. Yeah. I mean, I don't think addiction is a is a mental health issue. It's it's a health issue and a mental health issue. And I don't think it uh, discriminates or decides who to choose. And, you know, we all have a different, I think, genetic predisposition to addiction. You know, I grew up in a family of alcoholics and people who are addictive. And I thought I'll never be like that. And, you know, I thought education meant inoculation for me from addiction. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I will just go to school and I'll you know, I can outrun it. And I couldn't, you can't outrun yourself, really. If if people don't know you were addicted to heroin, this is how it all started. How did you get addicted to heroin? How did that all start? Well, it started with pain medication, right? Um, which God, we've heard that in, story a thousand times a on thousand, this show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it started, you know, back in the, like, early 90s before the opiate crisis was a crisis, it was, you know, doctors were handing out Vicodin, which is an opiate pain medication, in sample packs. You know, you had an earache, they prescribed it to you. You were in a mood, they prescribed it to you. Childbirth, they gave it to you. And I just happened to have a brain chemistry where when I took one pain pill, it didn't make me sleepy. It it made me feel better, made me happy, it gave me joy. And then it took two two to feel that way, and three and four until... I was taking 60 a day. Six, zero, 60. Six, zero, 20 oh at a God. time. I mean, that's so then, the tolerance level that can happen. Yeah, your life then revolves around procuring enough pills to take, because if you need 60, that's not easy to get. No, it's a full-time job. So when do you make the oh, jump yeah. to they stop giving you pain pills that you have to go find heroin or something just as strong? I mean, it's it's a normal jump because heroin's cheaper and easier. But I, you know, my husband at the time was also struggling with addiction. And unbeknownst to me, he had uh, started smoking heroin. And I found it in his, I found it in his gym bag 
right? Oh These little baggies. Oh my God, you're kidding. And so I, I mean, you know, I, so uh-huh. I took them and then I was like, well, I don't want him to know I took them. So I melted some brown sugar and put that in a baggie and put it back. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I, I carried it around. I literally Googled on my way, you know, Googled how to smoke heroin and I tried it. Wow. And that's how it started. And you kept up the addiction by stealing your neighbor's credit cards. I was stealing. Um, yeah, I was stealing. I was stealing. You know, my kids were all in private school. And in, you know, at private school, when you drop your kids off, people don't lock their doors. They're leaving their purses in there. And so I would take right. a credit card from my mom friends going through my neighbor, you know, just all kinds of craziness as things spiraled out of control. Do you think that just kind of the way American life is set up these days, that any of that level of stress that we all kind of go through of raising your kids and the million things they have to do, did that feed into your addiction? Did it kind of make everything feel better? Like you said, you felt better on the drugs. Was there a sense of relief from this kind of, I feel like parenting can be so oppressive because it's constantly like, we got to be here, 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 here. And it's all in one day. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when I, when I took that first pill and felt that joy, I think I was depressed, but I remember going, wow, it's, it's not so bad to do laundry and play army guys and all of that. But what I think, (laughs) but what I think, what I think all of that did for me that like going here and activities and, and, you know, mom pressure and, and kind of keeping up with appearances, it prevented me from feeling like I could ask for help. I don't think it drove me to addiction. I mean, I think like, you know, mostly people turn to wine, you know, I used to coach little league. There was a lot of, uh, I say there was more alcohol at a little league game in those in those sippy cups <laughs> oh, than, than at a Super Bowl party, right? Yeah. So, so everyone does what you know. Everyone uses something, but I think it prevented me from asking for help because I thought, you know, I you know I don't want people to know I have a problem. What will they think of me? Right, embarrassing. And the sad sure. thing was, is I thought, wow, I could never go to rehab and spend thirty days away from my children. That would be horrible. And then look what happens because, but instead, you know, yeah, progresses. You're, yeah. you're arrested. The name of the book is called The Many Lives of Mama Love. Laura Love Harden is our guest. You're convicted of 32 felonies and become inmate number S32179. Yes. You have that number memorized. I do. I do. Is it hard to hear that number now? Mm, it is kind of hard. It was really, it's really hard to become a number. Right. It's really hard to lose up to lose everything that makes up your identity. Right. So I'm in there. I don't have a name. I'm not a mother. I'm not a wife. I'm not an employee or a boss. I'm not a friend. I'm just that number. And because my last name at the time was love, the guards didn't want to yell out love in jail. Right. So they would yell that number. And the first time I heard that number, I was like, what is that? Like, I didn't know that was my name. Oh, right. Wow. But because my name was love and that was too right. nice, you know, they don't they don't want to yell out love in jail. It kind of goes against what they're doing. You write extensively about your time in jail. Tell us about when you <clears throat> got there and tell us how you progressed up the social ladder. Well, you know, when you, <laughs> you guys see a smile on her face. I'm telling you about the progression. I just want this is an unbelievable story. I yeah, I can't. So yeah. you're you're scared, I, I'm sure, your first week, you're you're feeling yeah. people out. I mean, really, I got there and like there's no welcome brochure, there's no orientation. They kind of throw you in there and you're supposed to figure it out, right? You know, it wasn't all that different than like PTA meetings or power struggles at book clubs, honestly. Like the 
the politics in jail. But I was terrified. You know, my um, my three-year-old son was home when I was arrested, so he was taken mm-hmm. by Child Protective Services. So that was really my focus, and I was terrified and in this strange place. And, you know, it was very apparent quickly to the women in jail that this was my first time, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't bring in anything with me, meaning drugs or contraband, to sort of, Great. you know, make friends, you know. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And they played country music videos. That was the punishment by the guards like 24-7. They controlled the TV in there. So I woke up and there's like four women doing a dance routine to a Hank Williams Jr. song. And I was like, where am I? What's happening? But quickly, you know, I'm I'm kind of a chameleon. I grew up pretending, you know, and sort of assimilating into my friends' houses because I didn't have the greatest home life. So I was always good at kind of meeting people where they were and I made friends and, you know, it's not anything like you see on TVs and the movies, you know, 80% of the women in jail are mothers. So we really bonded over that. But I was, you know, sleeping on what's called the freeway, which is where the people who have no street cred, right, sleep. And then there's two tiers. And so there was a woman uh, named Daddy who was the shot caller in charge in jail and I provided some counsel to daddy and that got me moved upstairs pretty quickly within a few so weeks. So what's a shot caller for so us shot- uninformed? <laughs> so again, PTA, jailed folks. PTA okay. president. I that's mean- a shot caller. So Ah, okay. <laughs> Host of the book club. No. Um the shot caller is really the person who sort of sets the tone in there. People have to get permission. They control things in jail and, and keep it running smoothly. If people they don't like someone there, they get them moved out. So you move all the way up and uh, your nickname becomes Mama Love and you're suddenly in charge. Yes, I'm suddenly in charge and um, I was kind of like co-CEO with Daddy for a while until Daddy went off to prison. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I met some really amazing women in jail. They're creative, they're smart, and they're all struggling. And they were not, you know, they were young. They were not that much older. My my oldest son was 17 when I went to jail and my really good friend in there was 19, you know, so I had like a lot of mother energy and I think we kind of changed the, the vibe in jail. And when did you turn around your life and start writing? Well, I'd always loved writing, you know, books, you know, I say in the book, reading was my first addiction and I had a MFA in creative writing, you know, before I had children so I started writing again in jail. I wrote, wrote actually a poem about the women, sort of a narrative poem. And they were like, wow, no one's ever written about us. And so I started ghostwriting in jail. I moved over to the minimum security and I would write letters for the other women to the judges so that they could get put in maybe long-term treatment instead of prison, or they could get a pass to go to a graduation or a funeral. So I would hear their stories and I would write the letter as them. It's like you're um, writing kids. Which is probably illegal, but I did it. You're writing people's them. essays in college. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I broke up with some people for them. I seduced some people for them. Like I wrote their letters as them. You know, that was my training as a ghostwriter, which I later became. But um, when the one time that I wrote a letter as myself, my oldest son was graduating high school. I was locked up. I was devastated. You know, it's not what you dream of when you become a mom that you're going to be in jail for your first child's high school graduation. So the one time I wrote a letter as me to the judge to ask for a pass, it got declined. All the others, they got their things, but I... Wow. Yeah. What is your relationship like with your kids today? 
my relationship is wonderful with my kids. That that um uh, we just celebrated that son's master's degree in computer science. So amazing. Um, you know, I was fighting a ticking clock to get my youngest son out of child protective services when I got out and and I was able to do that, but I had to rebuild my life. I never had a home again where they could all live with me, you know, and that was really, really hard. Right. I had my youngest son, but it took a long time and then they were going off to college. But uh, you know, my youngest son is is getting ready to go off to college in September. And, you know, children are loving and forgiving, and they just wanted their mom to be okay. Wow. I mean, what a story. The name of the book is called The Many Lives of Mama Love. It is Laura Love Harden. Thanks for joining us, Laura. Thank you so much. More of The Pete McMurray Show next. <laughs> 